Okay, God is good. Now, you're wondering, maybe you're wondering when he came in, maybe not back there, why we have the rug. Well, I'm going to try to explain that as best I can. Some of you say, oh, please, Pat, we, we know that. I know that. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. So this isn't necessarily for you. It's for others that, not that I'm excluding you, but you know what I'm talking about. I better shut up about that. But anyway, we're going to have to, at the end of the service, we're going to have a, a time of healing and deliverance for those that want that. Because we believe it's b- biblical. We believe that, that the devil is alive and he's active and there's demons in this world. And we can, you know, like I said in the prayer, if we look around our world, we can see that is to be true. So, uh, and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us um, in, this, in this prayer time. We also know, and I know through experience, that sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, but the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And for some people, they feel overwhelmed by the power of the Spirit of God in their lives. And sometimes God will gently lay them down. And some, we used to call that in the old days, slain in the Spirit. Some people say, oh, that sounds like a real harsh word. But that's pretty much how I'm going to explain it. Sometimes people feel so overwhelmed with the Spirit of God that God kind of lays them down as they're filled with the Spirit and praying. That's why we have the rug. We will have a spotter, which you usually do. For people say, wow, I remember. This is not part of the sermon. People say, whoa, let's get to the message. But anyway, we did a, uh, a, I had a prayer one time, once upon a time, with a group of people in the church. And I had a doctor that was to my right. Uh, what was she? Uh, she's a urologist. And uh, so there was a group of us, we were praying, Jan was by the piano on my left, and as we were praying, I felt a commotion, and the spirit just took Jan down. And I remember the doctor was really concerned, wondering what happened. So I could tell the doctor was trying to evaluate Jan. She was on the floor. So I had to tell the doctor, I said, this is something. I said, she's fine. I said, the spirit of God has just kind of overwhelmed her. And, and uh, so... And that came right out of the blue. So we don't know what God's going to do. We don't want to manufacture anything, but just let the Spirit of God just move through us. If we do that, we can experience marvelous things from Him. Amen? And amen. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for just this great opportunity every Sunday to bring your word to your people. I pray that you anoint me with your Holy Spirit to uh, preach what you want me to say to your people, Lord. This, this message will bring you glory and honor. I pray for healing today for those that really, really, really are, are seeking you and seeking your, your freedom in you, Lord, and to be free from whatever it is that might be uh, capturing them at this time. And so we thank you, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. I also pray, Lord, that their hearts will be open to to your message today, Lord, that will you, we won't be closed. We'll be open. And I pray that you hear us. Holy Spirit will just minister to your people in a marvelous way. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. No, there's no doubt that many believers and non-believers scoff at the idea that demons actually exist. 
We have heard of divisions and conflicts that have destroyed peace and unity in churches. That's one of Satan's main goals, is try to destroy the unity and peace in churches. I've seen that firsthand. I used to, years ago, be one of the pastors that would, uh, would help other churches in conflict. And you'd be amazed at some of the garbage that, that, that comes into churches, and it flows through intelligent people. And that's when you know Satan is really is involved and how he can just mess things up. You know, uh, just one example I'll just give, just one, is I had to go to one church. Can you believe this? That the congregation and the, the board was mad at the pastor. The pastor was mad at the congregation and the board because it was over a thermostat. It was over a thermostat. The pastor felt that he was, he was above uh, controlling the thermostats. This, we're going back a ways. In the church, that he, was, he didn't have to do that. That should have been the tr- trustees or, or whatever. But that was beyond his, his calling. And then it intensified because the parson, the church property, and uh, the, the board wanted the pastor to at least take care, maintain his own lawn. And he felt he was above that, that he should not have to mow the grass. So there I am. I felt like I was in the kindergarten class dealing with adults over these issues. That's amazing how Satan can get in there, and that really drove a wedge in that church. It's amazing what he can do. When, uh, when Satan was cast out of heaven, he took with him a third of the angels. We call them what? Demons. So we're going to be talking about demons today. And you know what? I believe in the name of Jesus, he's going to kick them right out of your, your lives, my life, out of this church. He will do that because God can do that because God is capable. So I want to talk about the reality of, of demons. And some of this might sound very redundant to you. But sometimes it's good to be redundant. Paul talked about, always talked about brushing up on the basics of the faith. And that's what we're going to try to do uh, this morning. First, let's look at one verse. And we're going to look at Matthew 25, verse 41. And this is right around the final judgment time. Then he will say to those on his left, he's talking about Christ, he will say that to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his what? And his angels. The Bible offers plenty of evidence about demons. And as a matter of fact, if you probably took a concordance and you and grab your concordance, you probably find 80 references you'll find in, in, in reference to demons. Jesus cast out demons a lot, didn't he? If you look at the, at the Gospels, it's one after another, after another, after another. And uh, here Jesus made reference to eternal fire that is awaiting the devil and his demonic friends. And these evil spirits are not imaginary. They are real. They believe in God. They are rational beings. They have personalities. Without question, Jesus believed 
in the rea- reality of demons. And time after time, he exercises power over them. And so can we. we God has given us that power. Remember when Jesus, when he was ascended into heaven, what he said, I've given you power and authority. You know? I mean, when Jesus ascended into heaven, that didn't mean all the demons went with him. Jesus knew what he knew what he knew. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. To this day, we're being harassed, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, by demonic influence. And I'm seeing it more and more in our country, in our government, in our world. You know, in a sense, our world's burning up. That's another sermon title there, a series we could do. But, my goodness, you can see demonic influence everywhere. You can see his ugly, ugly prints. And I can say this in all candor and all honesty. I hate him. I don't hate, I don't use the hate word, but I use it on him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Because I know what he does to people. I know what he does to, to lives. And, and I know what he's up to. And we all know. I hate him because, guess what? He's trying to overthrow our father. He'll never do it, you know. But he's there. And we should all hate him in the name of Jesus. I can say that. He's stronger than I am. But Jesus in me is stronger than he is. So I praise God, you know, for that. So anyway, so we're going to, uh, again today, we're going to have, and Maria's going to, we're going to uh, team together in a deliverance or what have you. And oftentimes I, when I've done deliverances, I like someone, first of all, if you feel that God has called you to, in deliverance ministry, I probably 99% of the time you'll have a gift of discernment. If you don't have the gift of discernment, then, you know, you need to pause and wonder in, in about if that's really God's ministry for you. Or if you don't have and you feel called to do deliverance ministry, then I'd hope and pray that your partner would have discernment in that ministry. Because if you don't, you know, that discernment to, to discern, you know, the good spirit, evil from good. You know, you can even discern people's judgments, how they are judging, how they are a person with discernment. If you, if you share some of your, what's going on in your life, they can discern what, that, what, what the truth of that is, what's going on in that situation. Does that make any sense? This is not a gift on, on discernment, but, but that's so important that we have that ability to do. If you don't have discernment, that's not your gift, you're not sure, then back away. Back away. Because, like I said last week, demons are stronger than we are. They're smarter than we are. So if you don't, not sure, then that's a great time for the enemy to attack you in your vulnerability. So, and remember, this is not, this is not a fear, a scare, a sermon. It's not, that's not its intent because we have Christ in us. That's all the difference in the world. So who are demons? Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul reminds us that demons are committed to Satan's goal of separating us from God's love. That's his main goal. His main goal is to convince us that there is no God, that God does not exist. His main goal is to say, are you listening to this guy up there? It's a joke. He's talking about demons. They don't exist. They're not around. That's what they do. That's what they do. However, I just want to say this, that these verses also remind us that demons could do nothing to us outside of God's control, his purpose, and design. Did you hear that? What I said? That Jesus is in control. If you are fearful, then hone into this truth. I'm reading this, verse 38 again, just a part of it. Neither angels or demons nor any powers will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Don't be scared, believer. Don't. You have, in Jesus' name, you have the authority over that demonic influence. You have that in his name. Number three, being overcomers. Luke 10, 17 through 20. Now, my translation reads 72. 72 disciples. Many translations use, have 70 disciples. For all you scholars out there, you can do a study on which is it, 70 or 72. You know, and I think maybe God throws these out sometimes to get us to dig deeper into the word or whatever. But my translation we're using 72, okay? You can say, well, if you want to be stubborn, you can say 70, so whatever. You know, don't let Satan get in the great conflict between us. But anyway, the, what was the purpose of the 70 disciples? Jesus sent them out. He sent them out. He equipped them. He said, now you're ready to go. Basically, now you're ready to go. I'm sending you out, and you are going to be my missionary, so to speak. You're going to be ministering in my name. You're going to be uh, performing miracles. You're going to be involved in healing ministries. You're going to be casting out demons in my name. And that was, that was it. Jesus sent them out. Now they're coming back. Now they're coming back, those 70 or 72, with their report. And how did they come back? Okay? The 72 returned with what? With joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. This or symbolizes the evil spirits, okay? Snakes and scorpions. Sometimes people, this is just a side thought, <clears throat> but sometimes people take God's word out of context or they take certain phrases in this situation literally. He's talking, some, uh, there's a sect of Christians, and it's still happening today, I think I shared that months ago, about people that said, well, the Bible says, Jesus said, 
that we have victory over snakes and scorpions. So as part of their worship, they have poisonous snakes that are on their arms or whatever, and they're trusting that God is going to, has defeated those, those snakes, and they get bitten and they die. That's still happening today. Can you believe it? So we need to understand when you read the word to put it in its proper context. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. A man is praying out loud in church, and he said, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, make me successful and keep me humble. His wife overheard his prayer and responded, Oh, Lord, you make him successful and I'll keep him humble. Really, that's not a bad prayer. The man prayed. He prayed for success. Do you pray to be successful? There's nothing wrong with that. But he also prayed to be humble. Today, many people, they're, they're driven into physical fitness. They're committed and they've built their lives around diet and exercise. There's nothing wrong with that. Others, you know, their, their lives are built around education. More education and more education. Others, their lives are built around being successful in what they do. Anything wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Others, are, their lives are built around just working hard. If you work hard, have a strong work ethic, that's the good thing in life. And it is. But listen, Jesus sent 72 out. Again, verse 19. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus calls us out. What? With the same authority, with the same commission, under the same power. Jesus said, I've called you out. I've called you out to minister in my name. I've called you out to proclaim the kingdom of God. I've called you out for this. This is your calling. This is what I've called you to do. It's not a pastor, simply a pastor. It's all of us are called out in Jesus' name to proclaim the kingdom of God. And sometimes that means if somebody's hurting, you lay hands on them and ask for God's healing and deliverance. That's a part of who we are, just like back in those days. They said in verse 17, I love this again, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were excited because they saw, they saw the, the benefits. They saw ministry in action. They saw how God was using them in mighty ways. They rejoiced in the success of their mission. Yes, in the name of Jesus, listen to this. Yes, in the name of Jesus, we can also cast out demons. I said that a number of times this morning, right? It's really true. And that usually happens in Pentecostal churches. You know? 
Sometimes you use Pentecostal, and they say, that's the enemy, people run. But it usually happens or in a charismatic circle where, where people are operating in the spiritual gifts. And I think Jesus, he was so smart. God is so smart because he knows us. He knows, he knows, what he knows, what he knows, what he knows. And, and here's where I'm going with this. Jesus also warned them. Now, picture, they're all excited, and Jesus is excited with them. But then, he, he sneaks in verse 20. I believe he's warning them, and he's warning us today against spiritual pride. I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen it through the years. I've heard people, they're all about the gifts. They're all about the miracles. That's all they want. That's all they talk about. Oh, so-and-so is doing this. Oh, and then so-and-so is doing these miracles and, and he's, you know, the healings, God's using that person. Sometimes people get puffed up and that pride gets in the way. That was one of really Satan's fall was pride. He wanted to be like God. And so what he does to us, he does the same thing. Let's, let's pump them up with pride. Okay, wonderful things happen in this church. Well, guess what? Then people get puffed and think, oh, aren't we, how wonderful we are and how spiritual we are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was floored by one, this is years ago when I was just really into the faith. I went to this conference. It was a great conference. You know, it was a Holy Spirit conference. And I remember there was a break in the conference, and I was talking to somebody in the lobby over coffee. And he made this comment. He says, well, he said, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, then you're not really a Christian. I'm like, what? That's so untrue. That is so, 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 so untrue. That can damage a person's faith. Is miserable theology and so forth, but people sometimes get too puffed up on healings, deliverances, miracles, and I've seen that happen. Not with you guys. You guys are straight. You guys are good. But it does, there's a danger there. And so Jesus reminds, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written where? In heaven. That's, that's where it's at. Jesus has given us gifts to minister in his name. In his, but the, at the, what's the end game? The end game is to bring, bring people to Christ, to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The rest is like frosting on the cake. We can't forget. We cannot forget the purpose is if a person's name is not written in heaven, then what's the point? If their names are not written on the Lamb's book of life, then what is the point? Did not Jesus say, I think it was Matthew 7, 21, uh, that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does, who does the will of my Father who is in, is in heaven. It's a privilege 
to have our names enrolled in heaven. That's what's at. What's going to get you to heaven and get me to heaven is our names written in the Lamb's book of life. If our names are not written in that book, we're not going to heaven. That's our ticket. So we need to be very, and I think Jesus is trying to make it very mindful of the fact that he's given us all these wonderful gifts, but let's not forget the purpose. The purpose always is drawing, draw people to Jesus Christ. That is it. If we're doing things that we're drawing, not drawing people to Christ or drawing people to our own, look at God, how God's using me or whatever, that is so wrong. That is wrong. Amen? So we can abuse, as they did in the Corinthian church, we can abuse the spirits. Amen? Well, I heard a very weak amen on that one. But anyway, so we're going to go with number four here. And this is what is the difference between, uh, we talked about it very briefly last Sunday, between, um, between possession and oppression. So I'm going to just look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And here, if you look at, the, if you look at this passage, is Paul is addressing sexual immorality. Okay, but there's this passage also gives us nuggets on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit dwells in us and the purpose of the Spirit. Okay, you with me? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul begins by saying, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? Well, we know that's Christianity 101. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, who lives in you? The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. Did not Jesus say that I'm going to leave you, but I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to have the comforter. The Spirit of God will be with you. So a Christian, we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. That is, that is it. Therefore, we can say that, that meaning that our bodies belong to who? Belong to Christ. Belong to God. Our bodies belong to God. Why? Again, because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Okay, if the Holy Spirit lives in us, then how can the devil live in us permanently? You know, remember the old Western movies, you know? One of us is going to have to leave town. You know, this town isn't big enough for both of us, so one of us is going to have to leave. Well, in a sense, that's really what's going on here. Once we receive Jesus in our hearts as Lord and Savior, the, really the Holy Spirit says to, to demonic influence, hey, you can't, you can't, this is not your permanent home. You've got to get out of here because the two of us cannot exist here in the same place at the same time. Hopefully, we can add clarity to that as we go along here. So, the Holy Spirit teaches, convicts, guides, empowers us, empowers us to really understand the Word of God, etc. And you can add to that list. But He will never leave us. That's the thing. The Holy, the Spirit of God, once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Spirit will never leave you, according to Ephesians. Now, you can probably debate that a little bit, but 
I tell you, that's a hard argument to, to debate against that. That's God's guarantee that he's in you. That's God's guarantee of his presence in your life. The Holy Spirit. We cannot forget the Holy Spirit and what he does. You know? Other churches go the other extreme. They don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a holy mystery. So let's not get in that hocus-pocus stuff, they will say, because they don't understand it. You have to understand what this function of the Holy Spirit and that's part of the function of the Holy Spirit is to preach, is to teach us, convict us, to encourage us, all those things. Also gives us spiritual gifts to use for who? Not for our glory, but for the glory of God. It's always pointing to God, right? Amen. Well, I heard a, I heard a mumbling amen over here, but I thought that deserved. But I want, I want to go into Acts 1, 4, and 5. It's not on your screen. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but, I will, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ and this Spirit, His Spirit is present in us. We have, consider this, we have in us as Christians the greatest power in the universe. We have it. That's the power that dwells within us. Jesus' great power. Although demons are active in this world as believers, they cannot possess us. They cannot do that. They don't have that power to, you know, you know uh, to be possessed means the power to make you do something against your will. If you're a non-believer, you can be oppressed, possessed. That means that the devil, his demons, can control you. Because the Spirit of God is not living in that unbeliever. See the difference? So when people say, well, you know, no. No. It can't be. You can't have it the other way. It's got to be God's because because God's Spirit is stronger than any demonic influence. Greater is He, again, who's in me than he who is in the world. So in the name of Jesus Christ... If you have something you think rattle around in your, in your being, you know, and it's making you feel very uncomfortable, it's not of God, then in the name of Jesus, that, that situation can be, can be healed. Now, we're not quite there yet, but, but uh, Maria is going to be up here with me as we, as we pray and people need any kind of deliverance or whatever, then, then we are going to pray and see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Are you with me so far? Anybody really confused? Well, we're not done yet. So we're talking about, so demons have this power to manipulate. But they cannot possess us. They can, therefore, they can oppress us by manipulating our minds. Remember, the things we do when people say, oh, this, the, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. 
The devil made me do it. Well, I question that. The devil can deceive us. The devil can manipulate us. But it's still a matter of choice. It's still a matter of choice. The devil can tempt us, can twist our minds, cloud our understanding, can, uh, can really probe us to question our faith. can incite in us bitterness, anger, resentment. Some people are walking around, Christians, walking around with bitterness, anger, and resentment in, in their situation, in their lives. The demons can also overwhelm us with hopelessness, can overwhelm us with depression, can overwhelm us with despair despair and when people are constantly drawn into despair or anger whatever when they can't seem to shake these things that's a good sign that you're being influenced by something other than God are you with me I hope so um That's why I believe we have a lot of addictions, kinds of addictions, because the demons can push us into toward all kinds of, uh, of addictions. But the good news is the devil and his demons are in a no-win situation. Their fate is sealed to what? Everlasting punishment. They are defeated. You know, I, people think, you know, if you read the Bible, read the last chapter. We win. We win. You know, sometimes people think that's too good to be true when they're in their agony. But you can be delivered in Jesus' name. No matter what it is, whatever's hounding you, you can be delivered. You can be set free. Because that's what Christ does. Because of Jesus shed blood on the cross. Try to get that out. His death and resurrection just frees us from the clutches of demonic forces. And they're here in us in some way. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. But I've been a Christian for a good number of years. And I'm, Satan still tries to get in there and he tries to manipulate me. Time and time again. He does it oftentimes when blessings are coming. He wants to discourage me. But I know what he's trying to do. And that's when I have to turn because isn't it, Maria, isn't it about lies? At the end of the day, we say, well, we got to cast that demon out. Maybe we need to cast the lie out. Because the demons are behind the lie. The demons will say something like this. You're worthless. You come to church, you hypocrite. I'm pointing to John, but I, John knows I'm It's just my finger went out. I don't think that was a Holy Spirit moment. It was just whatever. You know? But he does, doesn't he? He wants us to believe the lie. You're worthless. 
Why do you come to church? It's not going to do any good. There are a bunch of hypocrites over there. They never say what they believe, do what they, what they should do. They're worthless. That's what he does. That's what he does. He tries to beat us down. And you do it where you are in your life and in my life. Give it up. I, don't t- I can't tell you how many times I've heard this in my head or whatever. Give it up. Give it up. You're not making a difference. You're wasting your time. Why become a pastor? You can make a whole lot more money doing this or doing that. They don't care. You know, they just want you to do it. And then when you do it wrong, they're going to be the first ones to be, be at your, knocking on your door criticizing you. You do it. To make the pastor feel burnt out. To resent their people. That's just one little area that they'll, they with little uh, sneaky demons will get in there and they try to manipulate us. How are you being manipulated today? Or are you? Do you want to be free? I do. I do. I've had Jan pray over me. I've had friends pray over me. We want to pray over you. You know? If you want to be set free, whatever it is, don't worry about coming up here and having us pray with you. Don't worry about that. That's what Satan wants you to do. Barb, don't don't go forward. People are going to be watching you. It's not going to work. Stay where you're at. Dewey, don't move. Stay there. You'll figure it out. He doesn't want Jesus' intervention. I'm going to have Maria come up and what we're going to do and could my brother Chris come up also Um, and just want you to be assured that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and the Holy Spirit does also plans things out by the way and so Chris is also going to be up here as we call him a spotter if the Holy Spirit is just has overwhelmed you Don't hold back. I'm telling you, friends, don't hold back. This is not hocus pocus. Remember, as we move in, remember, I was the Presbyterian guy. Presbyterians are stuffed shirts. You know, we are so so stiff. We are so stiff, you couldn't even bend your arms because you had too much starch in your shirts. So, So we were all the, well... God doesn't do this today or whatever. God doesn't do that. You know, I went to, again, I went to, as a Presbyterian pastor, I went to a conference in, in Princeton, Illinois at the motel, big motel, big conference. And I went out and I felt called. I needed prayer. And I was slain in the Spirit. I'm thinking, still, I'm still thinking. I'm thinking, oh, what are people going to think? 
because that, that's what Satan wanted. Until I freely gave myself to the Lord. Said, I don't care what people think. God, because you're smothering me with your love and your healing power. So if you need healing, if you need uh, a deliverance, if you, you, you're, you're struggling with anger, resentment, whatever it is, you've got lies churning into your mind and in your head, whatever it might be for you, pray about it now. Pray about it. If, if you're fed up with things in your life you know that aren't right, then you come forward because Jesus is calling you to come forward and be healed, be delivered in his name. Don't be ashamed. So we're just going to uh, be, in, in, be in prayer. If you feel that you need, really need a deliverance, if something is going on, and maybe you just want to come forward and get some advice or whatever the case might be, we'll try to answer, help you in any way that we can. But don't hold back. Let the Spirit of God move in this place. If we're here for a while and you have to leave, you can leave. But we're going to stay here and we're going to pray as long as the Spirit of God is moving us to do so. Does that sound fair? Okay. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, right now, I, I just turn this service over to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll convict your people. Maybe this will be the first time that they've, they'll be set free from whatever has kept them in bondage. That those lies will be revealed. And your spirit will heal them. We praise you, Lord. The mics will be off.